Love is awareness. Love is consciousness. And it does not come from others. This is uh, uh, may sound crazy to you. What do you mean love does not come from others? Love does not come from objects, but rather from or through the subject. It's your love, it's your consciousness, it's your awareness. It does not come to you from outside. Neither do our problems. All of our pain and suffering and difficulty in life comes from projecting our problems on the world and looking outside of ourselves for the cause of the problem, the cause of the heartache, the cause of the emotional upset. And so we try to manipulate the world and manipulate other people to fix the problem when the only problem is we're not accepting reality. We want to change reality. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Wisdom of the Soul class presented by the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Quick reminder, we're available, the video in its entirety, on YouTube, and also the audio track, somewhat edited, much shorter, uh, as a podcast. Search either or both with the four words, Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. If you're interested in the study group that we call the Wisdom Salon on Saturday, it's limited to 10 people. I have two openings in that. Really powerful group. <laughs> it gets better every week. A little more advanced, a little more metaphysical, a little more oriented toward the spiritual end, whereas this class sort of straddles personal and transpersonal uh, development. Uh, check out my website, michaelbenner.com. Click on personal development. Also, uh, my private work, my one on one phone calls. First one's free. And then we can, uh, I mean, there's no obligation. So if you're stressing out, if you're confused, if you're having a career crisis, I really enjoy couples counseling. We get a lot of benefit, a lot of people that come a little too late, but <laughs> you know, don't wait until your marriage is totally on the rocks to learn some communication skills and how to get heard and understood. It's not about winning arguments. What we really want is not a victory because then your partner loses and the marriage loses. So nobody can win in that sense. It's uh, about getting heard and understood. That's what we want. It's just to be understood. So uh, if you're interested in the private work, again, michaelbenner.com. Poke around there. It's a pretty deep website. Not like a lot of, uh, most websites are pretty scarce these days. 
And uh, yeah, I think you'll find this uh, to be a resource-heavy website. Even if it has a reading list on the podcast page. So uh, check it out. Links to my book, Fearless Intelligence, as well. Today we're going to talk about radical acceptance. And I'm going to tell you up front, this is big. This class alone could change your life significantly. If you really hear what I'm going to offer, what I'm going to suggest to you, there is a quality of love that is available to each and every one of us that few people even suspect and even fewer people ever experience. It's what we really long for. It's what we're looking for. Love has many qualities. One of them is a longing. Sazioli called it divine homesickness. It's a sense that there's something missing, that this isn't quite right. There's an empty part of me. There's a piece missing. There's a, a part of the story that I don't really understand yet. I haven't figured it out. Maybe you call it a meaning or a purpose to life. This is what metaphysics or ontology really is, the ultimate philosophy of meaning and purpose, of uh, identity, who am I, why am I here, the nature of consciousness, which is fundamental to everything, behind their thoughts, behind their feelings. I mean, this idea alone. What is this awareness that allows you to know your thoughts? We usually don't get past thinking to the idea that there is a a self with a capital S, a higher self, that can watch those thoughts without being the thinker. There's something behind your thinking. And it's called love. It's called consciousness. It's awareness, knowledge, and understanding. But the word love doesn't really carry that connotation for most people. So when I talk about a quality of love that's available to each of us, I'm talking not only about emotion, about contentment, fulfillment, and some warm, fuzzy, safe, and easy way of being. I'm talking about a level of realization of how life works and what it actually is that bears on why we're here and what we're for. And the beautiful thing is, this is not a belief system. It may appear to be a belief system as I offer it to you initially, but it's provable. How is philosophy provable, Michael? Through meditation, through introspection, by developing that awareness, so-called self-awareness which really isn't any different from just the word awareness. We can say self-awareness is understanding why you feel the way you feel, why you think the thought patterns that you do, or the belief systems that you do, why you behave the way you behave, those 
reflexive patterns. But self-awareness includes an awareness of the world around you. Your ability to empathize. We did a class on empathy and compassion a few weeks back. What is this remarkable ability that we have to empathize? And just as there are varying degrees of love, there are varying degrees of empathy as well. You can sympathize. You can empathize. I don't know if it's a word, telepathize. <laughs> Sympathy, empathy, even telepathy, where you can connect with another person and uh, feel what they feel and experience what they're experiencing. This approach is uh, so-called ESP and uh, extrasensory perception, all of which makes perfect sense when you understand that we spring from the same source and on some level there is a collective, collective consciousness, to borrow from Carl Jung. That's love, and we can tap into that level of awareness. Love is awareness. Love is consciousness. And it does not come from others. This is uh, uh, may sound crazy to you. What do you mean love does not come from others? Love does not come from objects, but rather from or through the subject. It's your love, it's your consciousness, it's your awareness. It does not come to you from outside. Neither do our problems. All of our pain and suffering and difficulty in life comes from projecting our problems on the world and looking outside of ourselves for the cause of the problem, the cause of the heartache, the cause of the emotional upset. And so we try to manipulate the world and manipulate other people to fix the problem when the only problem is we're not accepting reality. We want to change reality. I think it was Napoleon that said once or wrote, circumstances, what are circumstances? I make circumstances. Well, that's a very Western idea. Manifest destiny. I am, I am the creator of my life. It's true in a certain limited way. But we're picking and choosing from what's available. What occurs to us, the choices, the options, there are, you've heard me say countless times, we always have more choices than are immediately apparent. But even if you take a breath and relax and begin to examine all of the additional choices you had overlooked, you're still picking and choosing from what's available, karmically. But the point is, that your problems are not in the world, they're in here. Your heartache is not being caused by the world. Though if you fixate on it, you can find plenty of evidence that it does. I know. I understand. I'm a journalist who doesn't watch the news anymore. Not like I used to. It's just too much. You don't have to be a psychic to know what's going on in the world today and tomorrow and the next day. The suffering, the hatred, the stupidity, the insanity of it all. 
And also, your love is not in the world. It's not going to come from this romance. Oh, initially it will. And maybe you even marry your partner. But that initial romantic love is going to fade. And if you want that relationship, that marriage, even that friendship to work, it's going to take an effort. You have to work at it. You have to care about it. <laughs> you have to give love if you want to receive it. So where is the love coming from that we're going to give? If not through us as the subject. So that's where we're going to begin today. It's a very challenging idea that I'm challenging you to accept or consider at least. Our class today is called Radical Acceptance. So here's the first postulate of radical acceptance. You are the source of love. You are the source of awareness, consciousness. And if you don't have it, or feel like you want more of it, there's no one to blame. I wouldn't even suggest blaming yourself. I'd just excise the word blame from your vocabulary altogether. Uh, others are not to blame for the fact that we don't feel as much love and safety and peace and harmony and insight and understanding as we would like. Don't blame yourself, just take responsibility for it. Responsibility. The ability to choose your responses. Accountability. It's your life. If you're not happy, do not blame others for the fact that you're unhappy, in spite of the evidence that they <laughs> in spite of the evidence that they are the cause of your unhappiness or your unease, or trepidation, or anxiety. The world is not happening to you. It's happening. But it's not happening to you. We have to give up this victimization, and this helplessness, and this distrust of the process of life, and consider the possibility that the universe knows what it's doing. If you have a religious bent, God knows what it is doing. Or philosophically, the absolute, the first cause, the prime mover, knows what it's doing. Religious people often say, there is a plan. Or, uh, I, I like, God works in mysterious ways. It's not all that mysterious, actually. And I, I know you understand this to some degree, and that's why you're here. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I love doing these classes. I'm more of a student than a teacher. I'll always be more of a student than a teacher. This class gives me uh, extra motivation to study even harder, to read even more, to listen to more uh, videos and podcasts and exercise my brain and my heart. So accepting responsibility for the love in your life 
for how aware and awake and alert we really are. That's where we'll begin today. And let's do an opening meditation, and then we'll talk more about what it means to accept reality, <laughs> to accept the truth of what is, like it or not. And why would we do that when we could hold it off, when we could resist, when we could maybe turn and run the other way? That's what's coming up. Stand by. If you close your eyes and relax, we'll do a meditation today. Feel the floor beneath your feet. Remember the room in which you sit. Take a nice, slow, big, deep breath. Fill those lungs. Hold for just a beat as you peak, and now as you exhale, feel another letting go. <laughs> And open your eyes, wide awake, back in the room, feeling fine, rested, refreshed, better than before. Eyes open, wide awake, feeling better and better. Yeehaw! Wow, just really feels good. All right, radical acceptance. Um, let's talk about the subject-object split. This is a source of all of our pain and suffering. This separation between subject and object. If we go back briefly, I promise you I won't dwell on this to uh, English class in uh, middle school, probably seventh, eighth, ninth grade, somewhere in there. We were uh, diagramming sentences, and we learned about the subject and the verb and the object. And maybe you know those words as uh, descriptors, like uh, subjective versus objective. That's a good way to think of it. Subjective is personal. It's about you. You're the subject of your life. And objective, which is what I was taught to aspire to as a journalist, for example. Michael, you're a news guy. You've got to be objective. That means like uninvolved, no personal biases or predilections or prejudices, just sort of standing outside of things, looking back in a fair and balanced way, objectivity, the subject in the object. So the subject acts on the object. Bill rode his bike. Bill is the subject, bike is the object. The verb separates the subject from the object. Bill is not the bike. The bike is not Bill. But Bill can ride the bike. The sentence doesn't say very much about how it feels to ride a bike. The freedom, the wind in your face. Ride, maybe we could find a more descriptive verb. That's one of the secrets of good writing, by the way, to find really 
you give up the adverbs and the adjectives and try to find better verbs. So we look at life in the same way. I am the subject and everything else in my life is an object. I go to pick up this coffee cup. Well, this coffee cup is an object that I'm holding. And I set it down, but I remain the subject. So this is the split. We believe we are a subject. Everything else is an object. We don't see that as energy, there's just one unified field of energy. The thing about objects is that they are solid, so to speak. They're physical. They're material. They have edges. They don't really, but they appear to have edges. If you zoom in to the molecular level, you just see particles, what appear to be particles, dancing around, electrons spinning around in molecules, electron shells, various energies. We know better now, electrons don't really orbit the nucleus of, a of, a, of an atom. Even more basic than the molecule, break the molecule down into ad atomic structures. The atom has a nucleus. The electrons appear to spin around it. We all learned that in school. Not true. Electrons are flashing on and off. They exist as a probability. A little hard for us to understand if we're not trained scientists. It's challenging to me, certainly. But I know physically, these are not the particles that we were taught. They're actually little packets of energy. This is Einstein's equation that mass is a measure of energy equivalence. Everything is energy. Everything is spirit. Get that spirit equals energy equals spirit thing together. Spirit is energy. What do you religious people mean that spirit is eternal and infinite? Well, ask the empirical scientist. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Oh, so spirit is energy? Energy is spirit? Yeah, that's all. It used to be called breath. In Genesis, it's called the word. In the beginning, there was the word, the breath, the ha, aloha, the breath of God. That's energy. That's, we, we have radio now and TV through the air, pictures through the air, invisible. Can't see them. Where's the picture? Where's all these radio stations? Well, they're invisible and unseen. What? Yeah, you need a receiver. What? <laughs> it's so cool, so far out. We just take it for granted now, but imagine in Marconi's day. There's so much here, sometimes it just boggles the mind, but I'm talking about the truth that there is no separation in terms of energy or spirit. It's just a field. It's a magnetic field. It's always whole. There's always one. You could say, well, there are currents and eddies in that magnetic field. There are areas where the magnetic field is stronger than in other areas, like the uh, the energy that is this coffee cup that takes the form of this coffee cup is denser. It's a stronger field 
but there's no edges here. This is just this is just energy dancing. You know that from from the eighth grade, but we then oh forget it. It's solid. I can't put my hand through it. Appears solid. Appears to have edges. You know better. It's just energy. Well, what makes it appear solid? Your eyeballs. You think you see the cup, you only see light reflecting off the cup via an optic nerve that is electrical impulses in the brain. It's like all the music on your computer is zeros and ones until it comes out the speaker. And we call it sound because it's vibrating the air. If there were no air here, they would be, there would be no sound. You know those experiments where they put a ringing bell in a jar and in a vacuum jar, and you pump all the air out of it till there's no more air, and you can't hear the bell. It needed the air. It needed those molecules. It needed that matter as a medium to transmit sound through the air. I don't want to get too far afield here, but it's important to remember that behind this objective world of form is spirit or energy, and it is unified, it is one, it is whole. And so the subject-object split is really an illusion. There is only the subject. The subject-object split is a matter of appearance. It's real enough, in a relative sense, it's real enough. Be careful when you get on the freeway, because the object you're driving in could collide with another object. And the results could be disastrous. It's real enough. I used to wonder if time is an illusion, why does the Dalai Lama wear a Rolex? Because it's real enough. He's got a meeting at 3 o'clock on Thursday. It's real enough. What's a Thursday? What's a month but a spinning planet? It's rotating around the sun. And we call it Thursday at 3 o'clock. It's real enough. But if you want to be happy, if you want to be free, if you want to be accountable and responsible, you have to accept the higher truth that all of this is energy or spirit. And it's not separate. There is no separation. And let me say something to you that's really challenging. When you meditate and get really quiet, and by learning to watch your breath, realizing you're not doing the breathing, you're just the observer of the breath, and then you can learn to watch your thoughts and realize, I'm not the thinker if I can watch this thought. If I'm listening to these voices in my head arguing, am I the voices in my head arguing with each other? I want the blue one. No, I want the red one. The blue one would be better. The red one would. Or am I the one watching and listening? When you create that level of non-attachment that you can identify as the awareness behind your thoughts and perceptions, you're free. And you begin to realize that the I am, that is you experiencing your life, that sense of existing, it's sort of like Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Take that up a notch. 
I am aware that I'm thinking, therefore I am. I'm aware that I'm feeling this way or that, therefore I am. Be that higher I am. And you will come to understand that that I am is the same for everybody. If you understand what I'm saying right now and can just imagine being the awareness that is witnessing everything in your life, your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations, perceptions of the world, if you can be that awareness, that I am, that sense of I am, is shared by everybody. It's the same I am. The one you're looking for is who is doing the looking. That's the game here. It's incarnation is a big forgetting. And the life is about remembering and, and, and studying and accepting the truth of who you are. And it begins by being responsible for situations that you did not cause. I'm going to talk about this in two ways. You are responsible for situations you did not create. That's the first challenge. What do you mean? It's not my fault. I didn't do that. It's not me. It's them. It's the other. Uh-oh. The other? What other? There is no other. Oh, yeah, there is. And then you fall back down into material reality. Anything that's different is different. It's, I mean, it's an objective world, and this is not that. And look at the periodic table. Gold is not iron. Gold is not lead. Silver is not boron. Magnesium is not manganese. These are different elements. They have different atomic numbers. Yeah, but we decided that all that material was ultimately energy. E equals MC squared. Energy, e, e, it's all energy, right? We've split the really heavy ones, the ones with a lot of electrons, uranium, plutonium, and then we bombard it and make it bomb grade. And then we can split that and the amount of energy that is released. You know, one pound of plutonium can, like, destroy a 100-mile area, vaporize it, turn all living beings into steam from just a few ounces of matter once that energy is released. So the matter is always in decay. It's not real. There's nothing lasts. How can you say that's true if it doesn't last? If everything is in decay in constant flux and nothing lasts, how can you call it true? Truth has to be something that is permanent. And further, it could not have a beginning or an end. Or, or how could something that have a beginning have no end? Or something that has no beginning ever end? They go together. That's the nature of infinity and eternity. It's beyond space and time. Time is created by our thinking. We think about the past, we think about the present, we think about the future. Space is created by our perception of it. We give it height, width, and depth through our perception, all assembled inside your head. 
Take responsibility for everything that happens to you as somehow a reflection of your consciousness. That doesn't mean you blame yourself. Just give up blaming others and accept that things are. No, I don't want to accept it. I want to push it away. I don't like it. It hurts. It's frightening. It's painful. I'm suffering. I've got to leave this relationship. It's not working. It's abusive. I have this illness. Uh, I have this horrible job. My car won't run. I need a new car. It's a problem. I want to fight. I want to struggle. I want to resist reality and truth. The problem with promoting acceptance on this level, especially in the West, is people think of it as surrender. That if I say you've got to accept the truth of what is, people say, you mean cave in, give up, surrender? No. Whether your intention is to leave it as it is, or to modify it somewhat, or replace it entirely with a new circumstance, or situation, or object, or relationship, <laughs> or event, you still have to accept it. Acceptance is not the end of things. Acceptance is the beginning. Acceptance means merely to acknowledge the truth. That's what radical acceptance is. Acknowledge the truth. This is a mess. This stinks. This sucks. Accept it. That's the reality you're in. Stop the struggle. Don't struggle. Consider the martial arts model. In the West, we always, men, I'm speaking of women, don't fight much. Not physically, anyway. Men, men will square off and duke it out. Block a punch. Counter with another punch. Each being offensive. Each attacking the other. Consider Taoism in flow and resisting nothing. That's the philosophy of Chinese Taoism. And throughout Asia, throughout the Eastern world, the same sense of if something is attacking you, don't oppose it or resist it. Bring it to you and then manage the direction. So if you attack a martial artist, he or she is likely to grab your jacket and pull you in the direction you're already moving. But then with just the slightest amount of every leverage, redirect you into being face down on the floor. And then they just stomp on your neck and you're done. So the alternative to resistance is not just standing there, you know, what's that phrase? Take the bull by the horns. Nobody would be that stupid. Nobody takes the bull by the horns. You step aside. But you don't resist, don't you see? It's more elegant than that. You can live your life with elegance when you stop resisting and accept the reality. This sucks. This is a mess. Accept it. Don't fight it. Don't struggle. Give up all of that pain and suffering. And then choose to recreate. This is somehow a reflection of me. I've engendered this. I've created this circumstance to learn something. Everything and everyone is my teacher. So I'm the student. Learn, figure it out, change something in me, and your world will change.
your outlook, your attitude, your belief systems. Particularly this idea that reality is objective, all these separated forms. And go to the ocean. This is one thing. The wave appears to be separate. It's not. The drop appears to be separate. It's not. The ice appears not to be water, but it really is. You see? The substantial side is the energy side. The material side, which we think of as solid and substantial, is not substantial. It never lasts. And the second way I'd like you to consider radical acceptance is emotionally. To please work on, it takes a while, but devote yourself to giving up victimization when it comes to emotional feelings. That starts with anger. If you can give up anger, I heard a psychotherapist the other day say, anything but anger. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's really, that's really brilliant. Just outlaw it. The way you do that is you find the hurt in your anger. You want to give up anger? Accept that it hurts. Accept radical acceptance that your anger is a defense mechanism to frighten away the danger. As if this is a wild animal that is coming to eat you. Or a, another tribe of primitive individuals that's coming to steal the women and the children and the food and kill all the men. That's what the brain was developed to do. Grow your brain. Give that up. When you feel angry, find the hurt. And then when you find the hurt and you own the anger, you know you're not a victim. It's your hurt. You'll also find the sadness. And then you'll find the fear. That's how you dissemble anger. You may want to write that down. I'm giving you, you know, like uh, $2,000 worth of therapy right here. <laughs> Whenever you're angry, find the hurt. That's the way you own it. It's accepting that it's your feeling. You can argue that it was done to you and you have some righteous reason to be angry. And you're going to set them straight and make sure they don't get away with it. Yeah, how's that working for you? Not so well, huh? Own it. By finding the hurt, then you'll find the sadness. Underneath that, you'll find the fear, which includes the fear that this is going to keep happening. But also because fear is everything unknown. Not a danger, just uncertainty and confusion. You'll see anger as a symptom of what you need to understand, a symptom of what you do not understand and what needs understanding. Anger is the brain's signal, its cry for understanding and insight, but you've got to own it first. So, too. All of your other emotions, particularly I'm talking about the negative emotions, of course. Positive emotions, happiness and contentment and 
and peace of mind and joy and and fulfillment and kindness and generosity and tolerance and good humor and all of that stuff. That doesn't need to be understood. That doesn't need processing. That's a message that says, stay the course, keep doing whatever you're doing. It's the feelings that hurt that are requests for a course correction. Instead, we want to change the world. We want to go manage or control or eliminate the stimulus and ignore the response. Radical acceptance here is you are the response. Your feelings are your feelings. There's a crazy idea. Your feelings are your feelings. They weren't done to you. They rise out of you. Yeah, but he insulted me. He said, blah, blah, blah. Well, if he had said the same thing to 10 other people, they would have reacted in 10 very different ways. So the feeling tells you nothing about the objective, only about the subjective. Your thoughts are for the world, the objective world. Your emotions are a special intelligence to tell you about yourself. Accept that. That's radical acceptance. Those are just two areas we could go further, but the idea of accepting responsibility for every situation you find yourself in, whether you caused it or not, your responsibility, your ability to choose your response, and that somehow it's a reflection of you, and karmically it's a lesson that you need to learn. How did I create this? If that's too much, how did I contribute to the creation of this. What part of this is directly about me? It doesn't mean it's all about you, but there's enough of it about you that you attracted it. You're in this relationship. Didn't happen to everybody, it happened to you. And as we accept responsibility for that, you find the lesson, the heartache goes away, and you say, oh yeah, Oh yeah, I fixed it by owning it and responding to it. But I had to first accept it. Acceptance means simply to acknowledge the truth of things, to acknowledge reality. All of our pain and suffering comes from denying and ignoring reality and trying to change it. So the bottom line is trust life. Trust life.